0: Hey, everybody, welcome back to my channel, or welcome if you're a new subscriber or new viewer. My name is Allison. This is Devotional Hearts, and I am a devotional heart, and today I have a guest who is also a devotional heart, and he has his own channel. He started a podcast. I discovered him on Church of the Eternal Logos. He was interviewed by DPH, and he just had such a cool vibe. I had to check out his channel. And now here we are. And so welcome to the show today, James. How are you doing today?
1: I'm doing well. Thank you, Allison. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. And I've been looking through some of your videos and actually had brother Augustine on uh, a little while back too. I see that you interviewed him as well. So glad to see, uh, glad to see people getting out there and producing content around uh, orthodoxy. I think it's interesting.
0: Yeah. And I'm having Pano on next week.
1: Oh, yeah, that's my boy, yeah, yeah,
0: he's so cool. And yeah. then, um you've had your mate, Tom, who I would love to have on the show because <laughs> of our similar backgrounds with new age and psychedelics. and I think maybe you have a similar background too, so I'm gonna ask you some questions about that. But I know uh, you mentioned that you come from a Greek family,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and so I'm just gonna let you introduce yourself to the audience and um We'll just take it from there.
1: Okay. Yeah. Um, so I guess kind of the the quick story, um, I'm Orthodox Greek Orthodox and my path took a lot of twists and turns. Uh, my parents immigrated here from Greece, North Greece, kind of one of my mom was uh, pregnant with me and I was born here. Uh, my parents both uh, worked in the restaurant business. So go figure Greeks immigrating here and (laughs) working in restaurants. Uh Um, so they worked all the time. I grew up, Uh, My grandparents, who didn't speak really English, kind of raised me while I was young, and we would go to church uh, pretty regularly um, as I was, uh, you know, a little boy, and and growing up probably till about 10 11 years old, um, and then we stopped going, and then you know, uh, you know, we would go for special occasions, and then you know, life happened. I, I, you know, growing up, uh, you know, um, gotten into partying and whatnot in high school, and and. You know got into some trouble as as young people do and um ended up falling away for the church for a while and and I, in college i studied uh political science and philosophy i got really really heavy into philosophy a lot of uh, continental philosophy but you know uh ancient greek philosophy across the board um and then uh you know got into later on i got into christian mysticism i mean i mean um eastern mysticism uh and i really took a, a weird detour as i i Really got into uh, Qigong, which is a, a Taoist practice of energy healing and practice, uh, which I uh, really heavily got into for about five years, uh, maybe about eight years ago um, and I did that for a few years then a series of strange events um you know that that have to do with a little bit of Jordan Peterson, a uh, little bit some family stuff um, you know started revisiting. Orthodoxy, uh, which was strange, even even for me, who was was Greek Orthodox. And like the big linchpin for me was finding the church fathers. And that was through the work of uh, Jonathan Peugeot. So I was loosely affiliated with the symbolic world group and the way that he presents information and and shares information really resonated with me. And um, I, you know, as a Greek Orthodox, I never was aware that till a few years ago about the church fathers. I mean, I've heard of it, but it's like, you know, what does that even mean? Mm Um, Then I started reading uh, The Lives of the Saints and the Church Fathers, and it kind of uh, opened my heart. Everything I was looking for in in studying Taoism and Buddhism and philosophy was there in its purest form from the Church Fathers, uh, which kind of blew me away. Um, And then the last few years has been an attempt to rejoin the church. I have three small kids, three young kids. I have a wife. And, um, you know, we're attempting, we've been attempting to get back into church or actually for the first time, all of us together, uh, which has been, uh, you know, it's been interesting because that really kicked into gear probably the end of 2019. Um, So I met with a Greek Orthodox priest, the same parish that I went to when I was younger, we had a couple of meetings and then uh, boom, you know, the uh, world changed in 2020. Uh, So we had to kind of put that on the back burner Mm -hmm. Um, and that was around the same time I started the channel. Um, and it was really, you know, I read a lot and as I just thought to myself, you know, why don't I just you know, read, you know, what interests me, I'll just read it and and share it on YouTube. You know, a lot of people don't have time to read. And, you know, I always like to listen to things and maybe 1.5 speed when I'm doing stuff. Uh, so I started doing that and it was really a specific book and a specific person that in gener- that's, that, that kind of gave me the motivation to start the channel, and that was a uh, Father Seraphim Rose oh, in okay his now. book, uh, "Christ the Eternal Tao, which is uh, a book that came across. I came across. I read it; it's a pretty thick book from cover to cover, and it just dawned on me. I'm like, I'm going to read it again from cover to cover on YouTube. So I just got my oh, phone. Yeah. I just started talking into my phone. I read it from cover to cover. I made a little playlist, and then I just kept going with other different uh, authors and, and different. Philosophers and and saints and church fathers and uh, you know French philosophers really kind of across the board. Um, as I uh, you know started a, a regular prayer rule and really started getting into the Orthodox practice and ethos, uh, which was uh, life changing and and wonderful and beautiful. And I'm still kind of an infant in the uh, in the faith, which I love.
0: Yeah, I really want to talk to you a little bit more about how it changes our lives, you know, the prayer, the life of prayer and communion and liturgy and everything is, it's like a whole lifestyle. And some of my viewers might know that I'm brand new to Orthodoxy. I'm brand new to Christianity. I wasn't raised Christian. I was in the new age for my whole life, pretty much since I was a teenager And only this year, because of Jay Dyer and Church of the Eternal Logos, did I even find out what exactly Eastern Orthodoxy is. And I'm still finding out. I think I'll probably every day from here on out learn something new because I'm always buying books and talking to people. And every time I go to church, I learn something and it's so beautiful. It really is life transforming in in such a deep way. Um, one thing I wanted to ask you, because I ha- I do, I have that book. You mentioned the um Christ, the eternal Tao, right? Mm-hmm. It, are there two? Because the one I have is higher monk Damascene
1: mm-hmm. and
0: you said father Seraphim Rose. Are, are there two, two different ones?
1: No, but it was written by her monk Damascene and the book is about um, father Seraphim. It's, it's heavily influenced. And he talks about the uh, father Seraphim Rose's path orthodoxy. And he, oh, okay. you know, and that, that resonated a lot because he was uh, really heavily into philosophy and um, you were studied under Alan Watts, who's a big in the new age. He mm-hmm. actually was one of his teachers um, and he was, he kind of fell away from the church. I think he was ev- evangelical and he, and he fell away and said, this is, you know, this isn't the, the truth. And, and, uh, you know, his path really resonated with me and I, I you know, it was like yeah. somebody this smart and well-read and intense, found orthodoxy, mm-hmm. uh, satisfying. I'm like, how is that? How's that possible? And this was before I, I kind of really knew what really, what the, the depths were. Um, so yeah. that, that's what really, uh. You know, kind of, kind of got me, and I'm very, I'm very grateful to it. So I have his, um, I have his icon right there, oh. uh, Father Seraphim Rose there. So oh yeah, I the see first, him yeah. with the beard. Yeah, he was the first mm-hmm. real uh, recent icon that I got. I had one um, of my names, uh, Saint's name, Saint Demetrius, that I've had my entire life. I don't know how it stuck with me, but I just I've always had it, and I still have it. So I have him up there too, uh, right next to Christ there. Um, so yeah, it's it's interesting how how kind of life works that way. Um, I got a question for you, I guess, um, how, how did, what kind of, kind of new age, uh, what, in what sense were you part of the new age where your was your family part of it? And then no. you got involved as well.
0: No. So I had kind of a traumatic childhood. I had a very angry, um, he had, he had mental illness, but he was very unpredictable as a father. I, I couldn't Depend on him. I couldn't trust him. He wasn't a great provider. He didn't have any of the qualities that a like a godly father, a godly man would have. He was. He kind of thought he was Catholic, but um, I really don't think he had much of a connection with any kind of ontology or, um, you know, ontological mindset. Um, mm-hmm. So the New Age was so attracted attractive to me because um i could just made it made me feel like i could be in control of my destiny and mm-hmm. i would do so um witchcraft I, I first got into white witchcraft you know it's mm-hmm. it's the good witchcraft so it's okay And I mean, I don't think that anymore, but, um, and then yoga, I started doing yoga when I was 15 and I lived in an ashram type of a community for a while. I had a guru Mm -hmm. for many, many years, um, yoga philosophy and the Vedas, all of that stuff. I just loved it. Everything Mm -hmm. about it just felt like, Oh, well, I must've been, Hindu in a past life, because this is so familiar to me and the chanting and Kirtan, you know, um, mm-hmm. the singing the songs. I loved it. And uh, I think I'm probably going on and on too no. Long, no. but, but it's, psychedelics, it's you know, psychedelics were a big part of that. And I was talking about this in my interview yesterday with Mia, that what the psychedelics often do, I'll speak for myself is it gave me this sense of knowing, like, now I have the wisdom and I have, mm-hmm. I, I'm connected with the universal consciousness and I got all these downloads and now mm-hmm. everything makes sense. And I'm so special because I've been gifted this special knowledge that only very few people have and only the people that have done the psychedelics that I've had. And I mean, I don't, I didn't walk around thinking this, but looking back, I really Mm -hmm. did have a lot of pride, a lot of spiritual ego and I've spent the last year just repenting and like, God, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And I, even in liturgy, sometimes I just feel like, how did I get so blessed? God, gave me so much grace to discover Eastern Orthodoxy and, and start this process of repentance and prayer and Mm -hmm. um, turning my life toward him where I had been running away from, from him for 30 years. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, that's my, my new age story in a nutshell.
1: Well, I think that, um, you know, I I don't know myself, you know, when I got into the Eastern stuff and the, and the uh, psychedelics, I don't know that I would have found Orthodoxy like I did without that. Right so I, I have had the same feelings of uh you know guilt I went through the whole uh spiritual inflation and, and you know you don't you're not realizing it while you're in it you know my, my whole thought was I'm going to um you know help people heal themselves I'm going to mm-hmm. travel and, and give healing classes and teach mm-hmm. people meditation and teach yeah. them how to you know heal heal their past traumas and how to uh, create and cultivate chi and how they can spread that and and help others so my intention was good and I felt it good but I ended up you know, falling into what the Orthodox called prelest, which is a spiritual ego. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, and I had a, you know, strange time. I I mean, left my, my six figure job automatically out of nowhere, my poor wife and God bless her. She, she stuck with me and to start this healing business, which was a terrible idea, horrible idea. Um, But I was like, you know what, I'm going to do it. It's, it's, you know, I can't do a nine to five. That is not, you know, for me, you know, that's for, you know, normies and, and Mm got to find my purpose and my path. And Manifest and all that stuff, um, but I look at it now where uh, that was part of the path that God put in front of me mm-hmm. in order for me to find Him. So it's I don't know that I would have found orthodoxy like I did now without all of the uh, the, the falling away. Yeah, it's like a breathing, you know, uh, you fall away and then you come towards. So uh, I can definitely resonate with how you feel.
0: Yeah, I yeah, like the prodigal son, the story of mm-hmm. the prodigal son. So tell us the how you came up with the name of your podcast.
1: Mm-hmm. okay yeah the, the podcast so i have a channel uh where i have a many sections so the best way if you uh, navigate the channel is to look at the um playlists so i have them set by different authors of different topics different conversations and um i started the podcast probably at the beginning actually last december and it was inspired you know talking with uh i was really heavily involved with the uh, symbolic world group jonathan Peugeot and uh, i was reading rene Girard, who is a um a Um, kind of um, French, post-postmodern, Catholic, just genius, beautiful writer. And he was talking about the story of uh, Peter and the rooster crow, right? So the rooster crowing three times, um, you know, made relevant or made apparent to Peter that he fell away from Christ. You know, Peter was Christ's closest guy. And he was telling Jesus, you know, I'll never leave you. Jesus was like, yes, you are. You're going to forsake me at the, at the worst time. And he's like, I will die for you. There's no way. Right. And Christ was like, before the rooster crows three times, you will deny me. Um, and then later in the story, um, you know, uh, that happens. And I just had this, 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 this feeling of, you know, that, that third rooster's crow was like a probably lightning flash of, uh, you know, of, and it was simultaneously Peter's worst, worst day of his life and his best day of his life, right? Cause he forsake God, but then he, you know, it called him to repentance. So the idea of the podcast was to engage with people, ideas and culture that like the rooster's crow are sounding uh, the alarm, but are just are, are providing pathways to metanoia and repentance and towards Christ. Um, and then uh, the way that that actually name came up is I started in a new job, it was uh, probably in October and, there was this singular rooster that was uh, behind the office space that we we're in. And there was an Orthodox church back there. It was uh, Antioch. And, and there was a single rooster that would crow in the mornings. And uh, one time I was walking in my car and I hear him crow. Um, and then you know, I got in my car and I was driving and it just came to me. I'm like, oh, the rooster's crow. Now that would be a, a good idea for a podcast. And that's when the idea to start the podcast came. So it kind of came with the, uh, you know, with the, um, with the name. Uh, and then from there, I probably have 25 episodes. I've talked with a lot of different people from, you know, different domains, uh, you know, and, uh, I, I love just engaging with people and, and talking mm-hmm. with people around the, around the globe and a lot of different stories and a lot of different people from all over that have found or are finding or are interested in Orthodoxy, which is just a, a profound and strange thing. This old ancient faith that most people aren't aware of, let alone mm-hmm. would, you know, look to, um, look to join or, or to be interested in. So uh, that was the path towards that. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That's so cool. Our parish has more catechumens right now than I think in its entire history.
1: Yeah. Wow. Oh, that's, that's, that's crazy. I, I was talking with someone, it's like, that is a, both a terrifying and a beautiful thing, right? Because I think a, a big part of the reason why people are finding orthodoxy is because things are getting so bad out in the real world. And yeah. They see systems and structures that have always been in place that we could rely on are falling apart, Uh, whether you're, you know, we're into the new atheists or the new age movement, or you just believe that, that uh, people in, um, in leadership are looking out for you. That all has fallen away. So people are looking for something real and something true. And that's where orthodoxy, I think comes in and and gives you some scaffolding to hold on to. um, And then really. If if you take your time and go slow, it, it really just develops in your heart and it's a it's a beautiful thing. So it is.
0: Yeah. So I wanna go back to the icons. I'd mm-hmm. like to um, I just find it interesting. A lot of my born-again Christian friends and you know, Protestant Christians, they are they don't like the icon. They don't like this idea of icons. So um, I don't know if you watched on Jay's analysis last night, but he had Jonathan as his Mm -hmm. guest and that conversation was so good. I can't wait to listen to it again, but um, I'm going to link that video in the description. I would love for people to check it out, but I would just like to hear from you um, just your perspective on them and maybe why are people of other Christian backgrounds kind of like, Oh, I don't like that. I don't like
1: icons. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a good question. And that, that uh, I've been waiting for that kind of collaboration to happen. Um, the whole uh, Jay Dyer, Jonathan Peugeot, I really think they're two very important, distinct but important pieces of orthodoxy that are happening right now. And mm-hmm. Pano and I have talked about this a lot. Um, you know, you have Jay Dyer and the kind of ortho bro group that are more in apologetics and, and kind of intellectually, explaining and defending the faith. And then you have the symbolic world group that is more kind of this intuitive, you know, intuitive new expression of the noose. And, and they were at loggerheads a bit for a while. Um, and I'm glad that they came together. My wife was, uh, was watching it last night and she's like, I'm going to bed. I'm like, I got to finish this. I'm like, this, this is my Super Bowl here. And she, and she yeah. laughed a little bit, um, <laughs> but uh, it was great conversation. They were both really open and wonderful to see them together. Um, but the, uh, in terms of icons, you know, I, I can understand the hesitancy if people are not aware of what it is to venerate an icon or to have an icon. Um, you know, they probably think it's idol worship or right. some sort of remnant of, of paganism. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's not, that's not the case. You know, you're not worshiping um, icons. They are, you know, visible, um, visible expressions of the invisible. And The icon is just a, it's a window into a world. It's a window into the invisible, but it's a way to build a relationship with the particular saint or, or, you know, the mother of God or whatnot, not to worship him or her, Mm -hmm. but to join in communion and and worshiping God, right? You know, you've had um, loved ones that have passed that are not here anymore, right? You you ask people to pray for you and you pray for your loved ones. It's the same thing. Uh, But I can understand the hesitancy at first, but I think when people really look into it and you know, over time they, they uh, will understand what it is. And um, I think we'll become more open to it. Um, But at first, you know, I I understand the hesitancy. Yeah.
0: When I first walked into my parish, we have a local iconographer, he's retiring now, he's getting quite old, but he has done 90 over 90% of our icons, which is quite rare. I've heard that usually they come from different places, different artists, iconographers, Mm -hmm. and um, anyway, when I first walked in and saw these gorgeous paintings, I just it just made me feel like, wow, this is a really special place. And mm-hmm. I didn't, again, I didn't know anything. I mean, I was, I had just heard about orthodoxy from YouTube and then I walked into my parish and it just made me feel like this is heaven. Like this, this really feels heavenly to me to see on every wall, pretty much on every surface, because we have columns too. And there's a saint painted on each side of each column and mm-hmm. it, and it, the ceiling, you know, it goes high. It's not, the ceiling's not painted, but the the icons go up to the ceiling and um, I just love them. And so how long
1: ago was that when you, when you joined or or you walked into that church?
0: Yeah. So that was in April,
1: April. Okay. And they
0: hadn't started catechism back up yet. Um, So I was just waiting for that email and, Mm -hmm. and then, yeah, I've been going to catechism class since then and going to divine liturgy and I love it. I'm going to my first Orthodox wedding in two weeks. Oh, wonderful. So yeah, it's gonna be fun. But um... what,
1: what was it like, if you know, I mean, asking, mm-hmm. you you know, you started, how did you come up upon Jay's channel? And then what was that transition like of, of you know, finding this material that seems so alien, you know, or whatever, you know, in terms of uh, really taking Christianity seriously? Like, what was that like coming from the new age to really taking this stuff like, Oh my God, maybe this is the truth. Like what um, did that, was that experience yeah, like?
0: That's such a great question. Thank you. Um, mm-hmm. So I had already been reading the Bible for about a year and I had gone through this process and Mia and I talked about this a little bit yesterday too, where I thought that I had renounced the new age. It was, mm-hmm. um it was right when COVID started. Um, I somehow I got told That I needed a Bible. I don't know. Maybe I saw some Bible quotes on Facebook or something. I have no Mm -hmm. idea, but I need. I just knew I needed to buy a Bible. So I called my Mm -hmm. cousin and I asked him, and he's um, Church of the Nazarene, and he said to get an NIV. So I, I thought, okay, well, he knows what he's talking about. So I ordered an NIV, and I just started reading it. And I wasn't just reading it like a book. I was. I decided I was going to open my heart to the word. I was going to find out, is this a living, breathing something more than just words typed on a paper that are papers that have been used to control humanity? Cause that when you're in the new age, that's, That's why the Bible is the only book you don't pick up because that's Mm -hmm. the one that's been used for centuries to control humanity. So don't, don't read that. Mm -hmm. And so I decided, you know what? I just want the truth. I I want the truth. So Mm -hmm. I'm going to open my heart. I'm going to give this a try. And, and I read John, I read the gospels and it just changed my life, but I didn't want to go to church. I wasn't attracted to, Baptist or Protestant, any, any of those denominations, the Western denominations just didn't attract me. And at the same time, I felt like there might be something wrong with me because my born again, Christian friends that I was meeting online, now that I was having this revelation, like, Oh, I must, I guess I'm Christian. Like this Bible thing is there's something to this. So I would make friends with um, born again Christians who had, who were also kind of waking up at the same time as me, and I felt I felt so estranged from them in a way because some of the lingo and these concepts and things, I just felt like, oh, I don't know, I just don't know. I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. I'm I gotta see how this unravels. And so when Jay Dyer, mostly it was Church of the Eternal Logos, because Jay Dyer, you know, his content. It, It's it reaches wide. He's Mm -hmm. I bought his books, I listened to the globalist stuff. Um, he's got endless videos on so many topics. Whereas when I started binging on Church of the Eternal Logos, it was a more cohesive theme around Eastern Orthodoxy, just seemed that way to me. I don't know if that's true Mm -hmm. for everyone, but um, it was really David Patrick Harry, and he knows I tell him all the time, he is really the one that. Every word, everything he said, I was like, "Yes, yes, mm-hmm. that makes so much sense." And none of the Western things that I had tried listening to, and I, and I really, to be honest, I, I didn't re- really listen to that much about Western Christianity because n- nothing about it really grabbed me the way that the Eastern Orthodoxy did. So that's so when I started listening to Church of the Eternal Logos, that's when I went into that church and it was in April, like
1: I said. Yeah. Wow. That's, that's, that's a beautiful story. And, and, you know, it's, I think it's the um he, he kind of a vibe with his, his content as well. I think people coming from that are just coming from the the new age, you know, environment, you know, are, are looking for truth and they have this kind of way of, of uh, discerning a bit or it's not cultivated, but there is something that registers, you know, um, you know, truth when you're, seeing it or feeling it so i think it's it's a very interesting thing uh, that a lot of people are coming from that avenue and i remember when i was uh, heavily, even when i was in the new age i wasn't into the new age community like i was you know not to judge them but i was you know really involved in teaching and and learning about neigong and qigong which is energy cultivation and the people that would take my class were really you know into a lot of you know different things which i would be into too like tarot cards and crystals and 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 all that stuff but i use them more in terms of the you know their healing capacity and you know a lot of different things um but i remember being in the groups and uh or on facebook or on social media and there all of a sudden uh uh, something would pop up you know um about christianity lord jesus christ will save you repent and i'm like what the heck is this what is this person doing in here like i just totally (laughs) dismissed it and and I, i could see why people would i mean the 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 um the culture has so shun Christianity and Christianity as an organization has done so such a terrible job in the West of, mm-hmm. of, 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 transmitting what is the truth. Right. And then I would be like, why would I go to church? Look at these, these people and I'd be judgmental. They're, you know, they're going to church and not changing their lives. They're, yeah. they're, you know, they're still falling into their old habits. They're mm-hmm. still, you know, getting divorced or whatever. It's just, just placing judgments. Um, you know, uh, so I, I never thought that I would, uh, and I probably would never have came back to orthodoxy if I didn't find these little, um, you know, these people in these, this, this, material that, you know, got me to, to really look and consider again, uh, for the first time again with new eyes, actually, mm-hmm. uh, which I'm very grateful for. So mm-hmm. for sure.
0: Yeah. I'd growing up, I didn't think of Christianity as a path of transformation. I mean, that, mm-hmm. that never occurred to me and it still didn't until Eastern Orthodoxy. And that, that yeah. is really what it is. It's trans is a path of getting closer to God and taking responsibility for ways that we've made mistakes. And I just love it. I love it. So um, I, mean, I oh, go ahead.
1: Well, I know I'm, I'm, I was going to ask you and I can, you know, share my experience. What was it like going from, you know, in the new age, we think that, uh, you know, our God or the universe is this uh, all pervasive, energy that you can become one with right what was the process like of going from a god as this you know a nebulous energy that we can merge with to god as a person mm-hmm. that became human and that is the truth like trying mm-hmm. to wrap your head and heart around the idea that that god the mystery the unknown became man mm-hmm. right and that the truth is christ like you know i would ask what do you mean the truth is christ like mm-hmm. the truth is when a hypothesis is presented and then you have an experiment. And if that experiment, the outcome matches the the hypothesis, that's truth. Right. And it's like, how did you square and, and how are you working through the idea that, that the truth, God is a person.
0: Oh, it's such a great question. Um, so oh, it just gives me chills actually, because as I said, it was the, the revelation happened first reading the Bible and then questioning this idea of like you said like this this energy that's within everything okay so i'd spent 30 years worshiping the creation because mm-hmm. god is god is in this god is in this crystal god is in this it just was my normal mindset that god was in everything and so i w- would do the rituals and things with things and then when i thought about, you know, I considered this idea that there's a creator that we can have a relationship with who is outside of time, outside of the, cre- you know, cause he made the creation. So mm-hmm. he's greater than that. So, cause I used to always say the universe, you know, oh,
1: mm-hmm. the universe
0: is showing me this the universe is showing me that. I don't, I don't remember exactly when it was, it was in the summer of 2020 that I realized like, God is, the creator of the universe. The universe is just some is not the God. I don't know. There was just this thing mm-hmm. that switched for me, and then reading reading the Bible, reading about Christ's life and the miracles, and um, then catechism. You know, what I'm learning in catechism is just like you said, it's a process. But um, even before catechism, I had already accepted. Jesus Christ as fully God, fully man. And oh, and the one thing I wanted to say too is that what I love about Eastern Orthodoxy is the concept of him defeating death. Because mm-hmm. I had already, oh, yeah, I wanted to tell you this. Um, a year ago, I finally made the connection with like evil. There's evil in the world because in New Age, you don't, um, there is no evil. It's just your shadow and you haven't mm-hmm. integrated it yet. And um, so, no, now, there is an enemy. We're in a spiritual war. I know mm-hmm. that for sure. And Jesus Christ is our protector and our and the truth and the way and the life to escape the the enemy and the the Lord of the air and the lord of this reality of this planet. You know, mm-hmm. I can just see the evil everywhere. I mean, how can you not see it? How can you not mm-hmm. see it, especially now? Yeah. And I, I'd been rejecting that idea. I had studied red pill stuff for since 20 i don't know 2010 2011 and all the videos that were made by christian content creators but they were exposing the evil in our media Mm -hmm. and in children's stories and movies and disney and all that they were exposing evil and then they'd have a bible verse and I would listen to everything and accept like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I could see that except when they started quoting the Bible and talking mm-hmm. about Jesus as being our protector and our savior. Yeah. I thought, oh, they're Christians. They have their, you know, their agenda that they're trying to push on me. Yeah. And it's so interesting that I just could not, I rejected Jesus Christ and I'm, yeah, I'm repenting for that. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Well, it's, it's part of the process is the mm. the rejection is part of the process. And, and then, you know, it's, it was hard for a while when I was really looking, uh, you know, into, into my heart and considering Christ. And even when I would say, you know, oh, Lord Jesus Christ, my Savior, I still would feel that tinge of that cultural baggage of remember hearing people say that and I'm like, you know, and, and judging them and being like, you know, uh, uh, looking down on them and and yeah. and you know, thinking that uh, oh, that's cute. You you still believe in that uh, that old fairy tale here? Yeah, like uh, like Santa know.
0: Claus. I used to yeah. say, oh, like what? I guess you also believe in Santa Claus. I mean, why not?
1: <laughs> yeah, well, he, he exists, you know, in a sense, and it, 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 that's funny that you bring up kind of Santa Claus, and that was part of my the process of understanding that Santa Claus exists. All right, so what do you mean Santa Claus exists? And in, in understanding this. Is a good way to understand of how uh, you know how god exists not in the same way right but how beings that aren't necessarily within our framework exist right so santa claus exists you know how, how what do you mean exists it's impossible well you see him every christmas at the um at the mall right you see him in books right you see him in in stories on television right um you know he gives you gifts you write a letter to him he'll send it back right so Santa Claus is distributed through space and time, right? He's an entity that's not like a body like we have. So when you think Santa Claus exists, you automatically want to think is there's there's just one like physical organic yeah. being, mm-hmm. and that can't exist, right? But he's older than most of us, right? So he exists through it distributed through different bodies at different time scales. and he fractally exists in the world ontologically. like mm-hmm. so he does exist in a sense. And there's a lot of okay. it's a good way you can think of, uh, you know, um, you know, angels or not angels, uh, but these bigger creatures that we, 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 aren't familiar of, or we're not able to perceive because they're distributed through space and time. It's, it's a, it's a, something that, you know, I was wrestling with when I heard it because Jonathan Peugeot had a video and I, I encourage people to mm. check it out because I'm not good at explaining it. I'm uh, no, talking that's about how, so interesting. Yeah, yeah, how, how beings can exist in ways that we're, aren't, we're not familiar with, or we can't mm. see and perceive with more limited you know, ability to perceive, but we can see parts of them you know through through stories you know through um interacting with them different seasons and whatnot so um and that's kind of how you can think of it's not similar the way that christ exists right but you know christ's body is is distributed through space and time in the church right so he exists in in the world right and we can participate in his body by going to church and participating in the liturgy and when you're going there you actually you are participating in his life and in his body, right? And you eat from his blood and his body, right? And it's, what do you mean? What do you mean you eat from his blood and his body and you become part of him, right? Well, an analogy is we eat food all the time, right? And that food becomes part of us. Mm -hmm. Like if you eat a banana, you don't have a banana growing out of your arm, right? Your body takes in that banana and incorporates the energy into your identity, right? So when you're going to participate with Christ at church, you are becoming part of his body as well. Right. You, you know, we don't know the exact mechanics of, you know, eating food and then it becomes part of us. So it's the same kind of analogy at a higher level where you yeah. can participate and become part of Christ's body or participate and become part of the devil's body. Those are your options, right? Uh, you know, yeah. so it, it's uh it's a daunting thing to think about.
0: That is so well said. Thank you for sharing that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so are there any, books you might recommend to someone who's brand new to orthodoxy?
1: Um, Yeah. I mean, it depends kind of where you're coming from. Uh, I think the, the book, Christ, the eternal Tao, especially if you're coming from new age and you resonate with Taoism and Buddhism and meditation and things of that nature. I think that book is really, really great and important um, for people to, uh, you know, to, and it's easy to read. And the concepts are familiar um, if you're into that. Um, But there's a lot of great introductory. There's a a book um, that I had it right over here. There's a lot of good like uh, introduction into the uh, mystical church. Um, uh, There's a lot of them. And if you just go to ancient faith, um, ancient faith, uh, the website, you can find a lot of introductory books that come from particular topics where you'd be interested in. Uh, So I would say if you if you kind of look there, you'll find your path in. Uh, definitely.
0: And what about Orthodoxy and the Religion of the Future by Father Seraphim Rose?
1: Yeah, that that's that's a good one too. I mean, mm-hmm. All his books are are, are wonderful um, and and you're know, well written and clear and concise, yeah. and he communicates stuff that's hard to uh, communicate in a way that touches your heart, right? And it's it, it yeah. registers with that part of you that you're re- really not familiar with anymore, uh, and then you can follow that kind of that register and and uh they find your path like the best thing about it is if you look you know if you look for christ if you follow these breadcrumbs you will find him no matter what no matter who you are no matter when you look but it's about getting over that hump like i tell people like give it six months no matter how ridiculous you you think it sounds right follow the life of the saints pray do the prayers of the saints right develop a prayer rule Read, um, you know, read the Bible, read the, uh, the church fathers, do it for six months. If it doesn't work, forget about it, but it, it will work, uh, you know, every time, uh, which is a profound thing.
0: And think of all the questions this person is going to have. So I would advise to write, start writing down the questions and then find a priest, someone who you can have a really nice long discussion with and Mm -hmm. because that's something else I love about Eastern Orthodoxy. There is no dumb question. They, Mm -hmm. my catechism teachers, the, the subdeacon and then my priest, they welcome every single question, whether Mm -hmm. you think it's going to be like a, like too off the wall for them or i mean they've had they've heard everything so yeah um, i just love that that they invite people to question what it is that we believe and what we're doing during the liturgy and and there's no um there's no feeling like you're gonna be laughed at or or Mm -hmm. or you're you're gonna insult them or something like that's yeah in my church that doesn't feel like that at all
1: yeah, no, I I couldn't agree more. And, and you know, to kind of uh, piggyback off experience in mind, like we start looking on YouTube out of all places, social media and find people that are talking about, you know, that are, are maybe, you know, um, Father Peter Hears. Oh, yeah. he's a great resource. Him. Yeah. 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 He's great. He's a little, you know, um, if you're just starting out, uh, there's a lot of different people at different levels that you'll be able to kind of resonate with. And then you can kind of, you know, kind of go from there. Uh, Jay Dyer is a good one. I think Jonathan Peugeot's uh, The Symbolic World uh, is a wonderful way because he talks about, you know, not just current events, but movies. And he talks about uh, how we can see the world symbolically and seeing the world symbolically. The world is symbolic. That doesn't mean it's fake. That doesn't mean that it's like something that represents something else. Like the word symbol is from the Greek "symboli," which means to throw together, right? So it's the coming together of the visible and the invisible of heaven and earth, right? And there is the truth manifests itself when heaven and earth come together and are mediated appropriately. And you can train yourself, you can cultivate perception, you can cultivate your perception and you can cultivate your faith to see the pattern of the truth manifesting in your life. And it doesn't have to be some grandiose philosophical thing. It could just be, you know, the why, you know, it could be cultivating why it's important to be in my case, a good father to my daughter, especially like being in, um, pray, having the normal prayer rule and, and things became really more important of being a good father, being a good husband mm-hmm. and being more genuine with people that I meet on the street. Like yeah. even in conversations that I'd have and people at the clerk at the store, mm-hmm. like they just become more genuine. Like you really, you're more present there, mm-hmm. right. And open instead of just looking past people in a sense, yeah. But, um, that was the big thing is, is how do you know, how do we know we're not falling into another situation like we did with new age where it was exciting and it was new and, and, uh, you know, um, all these new concepts, how do I know I'm not falling into another spiritual ego trap again, where I'm founding this, this new thing. But, and I think the big difference there is it's in the, it's in the fruits, right? It's in what's happening in your life and your relationships with your family, right? Your coworkers, right? Your neighbors, uh, people that you meet uh, and whatnot. What is the quality of those relationships? And if they're getting better, right? And it's more about the relationship and it's more about them and 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 helping them, not helping them, but but being there for them. And if that, you can use that as a barometer to measure if you're falling into kind of a spiritual ego again, mm-hmm. um, where before in the new age, it was like, yeah, f course, I'm gonna help people heal themselves and I'm gonna heal people, if, you know, but it was about me it was about me, uh, you know, and my relationships were struggling, you know, my relationship, you know, my, my wife, I swear she's an angel because she stuck with me from what on the outside looked like a mental break. Like, you know, I was, I ate literally fruits and, and nuts for like a year straight. I lost 30 pounds. You know, I was, you know, like all these crazy things that, Mm -hmm. that seems so relevant and and necessary for me to do. Mm -hmm. And for her, she's like, what, what is going on with my husband? You know, we have two kids and you know he you quit your six-figure job and and uh it was really a strain on our relationship and uh i'm very grateful that she stuck with me um and uh you know now we're on this path together but it's it's different though Like everybody's experience with orthodoxy is different and mm-hmm. and it's okay there's different timelines, lines and, and people go at different speeds so um, my wife is at a different place with it than i am but it's okay mm-hmm. like you know it could take her 10 years you know, or it could, she could go faster and it's okay. Cause it's, it's the orthodoxy is, is it's not, it's not what it's about, right? The orthodoxy informs and transforms the relationships that you have, right. And you're becoming closer to God, things will manifest. And if you trust, they'll manifest in your life. And again, in your family and your relationships in a way that brings you all closer to God.
0: Absolutely.
1: So I, I was talking with a, a priest. He said that if you have one person in the family, that's earnestly praying, that's good. You don't have to have everybody praying, but if you have, you need at least one, right. And it acts like a shield or a beacon, you know, to bring the family closer, uh, to God. Uh, Mm -hmm. and I found that really resonant, um, and, and clear to me. That
0: is so beautiful. (laughs) I love that. (laughs) Yeah. I, my marriage has definitely improved even a year ago, just when I was reading the Bible and gave my life to God, um, even, you know, like before I knew about Eastern Orthodoxy, my marriage improved so much. Mm-hmm. And and then, like you said, just everyday life out in the world, mm-hmm. because God loves everyone. And when I was a new age, I thought that Christians thought that they were the cream of the crop or whatever. I mean, that was another reason I didn't want to be Christian because I thought Christians were closed-minded and only liked other Christians and didn't care about people that were not Christian. Um, I don't know why I thought that, but you know, in liturgy, we pray for everyone. I I love the parts of the liturgy where we're praying for people who are traveling, praying for this, praying for that. And it's so inclusive uh, because we're all God's children. Just Mm -hmm. some of us are walking with him and, and improving our lives and repenting. And some of us like myself in the past are walking with the enemy. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: So Yeah. But I don't, I don't love my friends who are in the new age less. I mean, I, I still, I have compassion and I still love them. And I talk to them. I have one in particular, I guess I don't have that many friends who are still in the new age, but I have one who I just adore. She's coming to visit and She's going to see all my icons. We're going to talk about all this stuff that I'm talking to you about. And, you know, she's open-minded. I don't mean I'm going to convert her, but she's going to learn a lot about me in that Mm -hmm. time and how my life has changed so much. And I'm, I'm super excited about that.
1: Yeah, that's wonderful. And I think that's, that's a big part of it is people, you don't have to beat them over the head with Mm -hmm. it. They'll just, uh, they'll feel how your life has changed. They'll feel how you've transformed and then they'll start moving towards that and you become a little, just a small ripple, a small ripple effect that you can have an effect, uh, not by, you know, philosophizing to people or telling them about, you know, Orthodox apologetics, but by just being more present and and loving with them and open to them. And, and that has a powerful effect, way more powerful than being able to, you know, uh, argument, uh, argue, um, you know, um, or give some apologetics about yeah. Orthodoxy, I think than anything. Yeah. So and I, I remember when I, uh, I started had all these crystals crystals around everything. And then I started like getting freaked out. I'm like, Oh, these are evil. And I started removing them all. And I I'm like, should I just bury them all or whatnot? So I, I got rid of everything, all of uh, the old signs that I had, or, you know, um, and now I realize that it's, it's not, it, those are not evil in themselves, right. They're they're but they need to be, if they're put in the right place in the hierarchy, they can become wonderful, special things, you know, um, you know, but if they are something that you worship is something that you put on the top of the hierarchy, that's when mm-hmm. things become disorienting and, and, you know, um, things become, uh, kind of sketchy at that point. So, you know, yeah. put everything in the right it, place.
0: If you're giving consent to something, whatever it is as a doorway mm-hmm. to, uh, a world that we do not want, <laughs> I don't even want mm-hmm. to talk about it. <laughs> Yeah, sometimes um that's the difference is is our consent. Um, I don't know. I I see both sides. There are a lot of new age to Jesus people that absolutely they say you have to get rid of there cannot be one single thing in your house that has anything to do with Hinduism, Buddhism. Well, some of us are married or living with people who those are their belongings, and that, that might mm-hmm. actually be living in the house. Does that mean that the devil now lives with me day to day? He's right here, following me around and doing things and putting ideas in my head, or I don't know. I don't. I don't feel that way about it, but um, I know some yeah. people have really strong opinions about it.
1: Yeah. And, and it's, it's very, it's a difficult thing, right? Cause you can make anything into an idol uh, and an ideology. You can make orthodoxy into an idol and an ideology. It's about well how you invest your, your energy and your desire into it. And, and uh, you know, so it's not that these things in themselves are, are evil uh, or you need to judge someone that you're living with, whoever that still has the, these things. Um, you know, it's, it's, and it's interesting. You'll see a lot of people that, that feel that way. And, and um and it might be the case that if someone is really heavily involved in, in the new age and they're coming out of it, that it'd be best to take a break from that mm-hmm. material for a while. But I don't think you have to like burn it and, and do all that type of stuff. No,
0: yeah. I feel like everything that I had an affinity for in my new age life, naturally my affinity weakened my mm-hmm. attraction to things like that. Just um, naturally, I didn't have to force anything. It was just the more I, spent reading my Bible and, and thinking about Christian things. Um, it was just a natural process for me.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, that's the thing. It, and go slowly, uh, mm-hmm. take your time. And, uh, you know, that's something that I had a tendency to get really excited about things and go full force and then kind of burn out. So, uh, I've been really just trying to go slow and over time and, and, uh, incorporating more uh you know you open up more space in your heart for the holy spirit to take hold and it takes time because you got to work through your you know um through your passions and that was another big thing in orthodoxy was the that i didn't find elsewhere uh is the passions and working with you know we talk about the passions with someone. It's like what's wrong with a passion you have a passion for music you have a passion for basketball and it's not what it means the, the word passion is the root word is passive. Is that what makes that, that what, which we're passive to that acts in us that we're not active against in a sense. So passions can be good things, uh, that turn into inflamed bad things like habits, addictions, whether it's shopping or taking uh coffee or working, whatever it may be. Um, working with the passions is, is a big thing that, uh, resonated with me. And, and, and I still, um, you know, work with and through, because I still have a lot of stuff to work through. I still have a lot of sins and, mm-hmm. you know, the, the idea of the sin, right? Yeah, you, before I, you know, th- what do you mean sin? What does that mean? You're born sick and ordered well by some sky God. How, what do you mean a sin? And the term sin, and again, I got this from the church fathers is that it means to miss the mark. It's the, in Greek, the term is amartia. And it's a term that comes from archery. And it means when you're aiming right uh, to sin is to miss the mark of what you're aiming for. Right. Uh, so to, uh, aim appropriately is to aim at God at the, 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 at the mystery. Right. And if you're aiming appropriately, things will fall in line down the hierarchy that, that, that is the main thing. And then you can see when you're not aiming appropriately and you can repent and, and metanoia is another Greek word that means to meta, like metamorphosis. Noia is like the heart is to reorient yourself towards, you know, the truth. And then you're going to fall away. You're a sinner. We're all sinners. And then, you know, you continuously reorient yourself. And, and as you do so, your life will, you know, set itself out in a way where it's, it's a, you know, it's a beautiful thing. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it just um, going back to something you asked me earlier about the transition from new age, the God is in all things in the universe to the truth, the truth, the logos, it's so peaceful. It's such, um, it's just like this restful feeling of not having to do things to become more spiritual or something, mm-hmm. um, to do certain rituals and healing practices. Again, Mia, and I, I I would love if you would listen to my interview with Mia, because mm-hmm. we talked about a lot of these things, but just how exhausting the self-development
1: Mm-hmm. And,
0: um, especially I see it with women wanting to manifest their best lives. So they don't need a man and, um, being, being, doing it all, being the mother with a full-time job, taking care of everything. I mean, it's exhausting. And then the, it seems like they do these self-care, like they, now they need the self-care practices. Mm-hmm. They need the, the right self-care routine to be able to deal with the stress of modern life and all the pressures on them. And it just seems like prayer and resting and devoting our lives to God, making God the center of our lives, instead of worrying so much about our happiness and self worth and self healing and all the self, self, self stuff. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. It's I exhausting. Like babbling, yeah. But what do you, what do you think about what I just said?
1: no i think it's right and it's exhausting and it's never ending uh-huh. right and it's uh you know he's got to uh you know resituate the energies and you've got to you know you're clearing and you know whatever episode you're having is because of this clearing and you got to let it go yeah. through you but it's a never ending cycle right and then you're not aiming appropriately so mm-hmm. it, it's going to continue like that and i think the uh, uh the big another big not misconception but i guess uh, the way people think about christianity it's like well in christianity the uh, woman is supposed to submit to her husband why would you know that's such an archaic thing whatever in the 40s you submit to your husband there's a big part of that that equation or the the man the husband is to sacrifice for his wife and the kids right literally sacrifice right and the kids and the wife act as a you know um you know they submit but not submit as in like in a domination way it's a it's like a you know you submit in a way to form a whole a unit like another thing in, in Orthodoxy is, you know, when you get married, you know, a husband and a wife, they become one flesh. It's not a metaphor. You become something new. You become a new being. You become a new something, right? And, and um, under Christ, right? So you are one flesh, one body and one family and you're a unit and uh, divorce, which my parents were divorced and it's so prevalent right now and is is so hard on kids and, and, on, and on the world because the divorce is a rupture. Of that being right, it's it's a death that happens, and you can have both parents that love the children very much, and that may be the case. But there's something that's lost without that love between a husband and a wife, like that true self-sacrificial, you know, love between a husband and a wife. It's so nurturing and uh, you know edifying and enriching for the children, right? And this is not to say that you know uh, divorced parents can't do this or whatnot. I'm just saying there's something about this sacred union of the masculine and the feminine under, you know, in marriage that has been, um, has been ridiculed or has been made, you know, uh, has been made irrelevant. Um, and it's because families are messy, you know, families are very messy and, and it's a difficult thing and, and there's challenges. And sometimes it's best for the two, you know, for, for husband and wife to part. That's a lot of times, sometimes that's the best but we need to go back to understanding what, what is a family for? What are we here to do on this earth? Like, you know, the whole, the idea of, of like, I I was um, raised in kind of this feminist idea, first wave feminine fe- feminism. And I'm, I'm a feminist. I appreciate and love the feminine. Like, you know, there are two ontological things that are absolutely necessary and important. And we try to conflate the one with the other, you know, in, in terms of, of we, want now women to become, you know, CEOs and work 80 hours a week and be successful in the workspace. And that's a wonderful thing. Any woman should be allowed to do that if, Mm -hmm. if that's what she wants to do. But as a society, it's like, well, what about the kids at home? Mm -hmm. Like what happens to them? You know, and that's, that's been lost. Like where, you know, we're focused on, you know, we're, we're not aiming correctly as a society when we're looking at the economic situation, more important than the familial one. And then we have, you know, childhood mental health and and all of the issues with that. That's one of the big things for me is, is is trying to think of how we can best, at least, you know, obviously for my family, but in general, how we can use these these technologies that seem to be hurting, like social media. How we can, you know, short circuit them for the good, right? And how we can yeah. um, focus on the family and focus on the, the children, right? Yeah. Uh, th- that's what's important, I think, and um and i think it's whether it's a husband or a wife there needs to be someone focused on the children kind of full time not necessarily you know not working or anything but the focus needs to be on on growing the uh, the family i think yeah in the, in the right way
0: yeah i totally agree yeah. for my audience too if you haven't watched my interview with martine deluna and then my interview with uh, rachel wilson I recommend those because these are topics that we discussed in those interviews and just um, the importance, like you said, of return to family values. I mean, it's so interesting for me to hear myself becoming more and more traditional and conservative because like I said, I was about as liberal I'll, not i wouldn't say i was like the most liberal person but i was definitely i definitely considered myself a liberal mm-hmm. and i'm just watching how i listened to things like what you just said and it's like yes of course like the how did i ever think any differently but it was because the society is engineered it, it's a secular we live in a secular world so these types of Christian values. um, Like you said earlier, it's either laughed at or just ignored and made irrelevant. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, But
0: But like you said, there are people on social media who are creating a lot of great content on these topics. And I think it's causing people to question the beliefs that they had before that were maybe not, did not include these things that we're talking about.
1: Yeah. I think it was, it's, you know, like I was a um, radical left for a long time, like especially studying political philosophy and whatnot. And I think it's, it's a fluid thing, right? There are times when, you know, the hierarchy or the, the social structures become very stringent and, and kind of um, you know, they become stratified where you need change, where you need something to, to change and to move. Right. But we're at a point now, I think where you know we need conservative means you need to conserve the there are great wonderful things about christianity in the west that we're losing right so those things used to be you know overbearing and stringent where we need to be more liberal right to loosen them up now they are falling apart right they're they are they are the threads are coming loose so you need to conserve what's great and beautiful right so it's it's okay to become conservative and want to conserve the great things about tradition mm-hmm. right um and not necessarily be you know, locked into being a liberal or a conservative, Mm -hmm. right. There's time for both. uh, You know, I think, again, I guess that, that it's like any relationship, right. It breathes, you have a breathing in and a breathing out. Sometimes it's, you know, you need to be more change oriented. Sometimes you need to be more going back to the the first principles that uh, got us here. So yeah, I can resonate. I think I'm using that word too much.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You can relate. I I try to say relate now, but yeah, Yeah. resonate is kind of a new agey word, (laughs) (laughs) but it's okay. Um, So we've been talking for quite a while. Is there anything else you would like the audience to know about you or orthodoxy or just anything we've talked about today?
1: Uh, Yeah, no, I I appreciate it. I enjoyed this very much. I I would, uh, if you're interested, you know, uh, my, my channel, I have a lot, again, playlists of introductory into kind of Eastern Orthodox type books and uh, different thinkers and, and different, um, ideas and concepts. Um, you know, so if you check that out, you can kind of see, and then you can work your way and what, what, uh, what you relate to, you can kind of follow and, and, uh, and, and look through that way. And I have a lot of conversations that talk a lot about these, these topics and more, um, you know, and I'd love to have you on the channel as well sometime and 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 we could, uh, you know, go into some other stuff. So, but yeah, no, I I appreciate it. I'd say, keep going, keep doing what you're doing. I think you're doing it, uh, for a reason. And I think it's, it's needed and necessary. And I think a lot of people are going to uh, find their way because of what you're doing. So thank oh, you.
0: That's, I appreciate that. Glory to mm-hmm. God. Thank Glory you so to God. much. <laughs>
1: Absolutely. Good deal. All
0: right, guys. And everybody who's watching, I would love if you could leave a comment for us. If you have a question for James, I will let him know to come back and check and answer your questions. Um, please subscribe, please share this video with anyone in your life who might benefit from it. I've been having so much fun growing this channel and getting comments from you all. And, um, I have some more guests coming up Two, I have two interviews on Tuesday, I believe. So, um, keep watching and oh, you can find me on Instagram at a devotional heart. That's the platform I use for messaging or anything you want to ask about my coaching business or just need someone to pray for you. I'm happy to do that. And um, God bless everyone and their families and I'll see you next time. Bye.